Is the thought that people are inherently different immoral? And if so, does that make deterrent immoral? And where does the Rambam stand in all this? I'm Avi Cohen. I'm Mati Cohen. And this is Jewish Thought Flow. Hi, and welcome to another edition of Jewish Thought Flow. This is your host, Avi Cohen. Last week, we spoke about the difference between the soul of a Jew and the soul of a non-Jew. We wanted to know what was Tyra's take about it. In this episode, we want to examine specifically the Rambam's opinion, because the Rambam's opinion is one that's brought in defense of the idea that the Torah actually holds there is no fundamental or inherent difference between a Jew and a non-Jew. But before we get into this episode, I do want to preface it with some words that will maybe help the listener. This is a topic that makes people understandably uncomfortable. After all, a lot of the ills and wrongs that have taken place throughout human history has been predicated on this notion that humans are built inherently different and therefore one does not need to act in a humane way towards his fellow humans. This is part of the reason why people mistreat animals because they understand animals to be different. So there's a fear that if we treat humans or if we understand humans to be inherently different, we will also treat them as such and that will cause us to act degradingly towards each other. So that's what I want to point out before we start this episode. Nowhere in Torah... Even if Torah does hold that there's a fundamental difference between a Jew and a non-Jew, which is the opinion of the hosts of the show, nowhere in Torah does that justify mistreating each other. In fact, the whole point of understanding the difference between men is to understand how we're supposed to treat the diff- those differences and how we're supposed to treat and help fulfill each person's mission and purpose in this world. There are many sources which suggest the need for a Jew to treat a non-Jew properly. In the theme of this episode, we chose one from the Rambam. The Rambam is found at the end of Perak Yud in Hilchas Malachim, where he says that even a non-Jew who serves a Vaidazara, the Chum still commanded us to visit their sick, to bury their dead with the Jewish dead, and to take care of their poor because of Darkei Shalom. And it quotes two psukim, one from Tehillim, which says, Tov Hashem l'kol that Hashem is good to all his to all his uh, creations. creations. And a pasuk Mishlei, that the Torah's ways are pleasant, and all its ways are peaceful. Right, so it implies heavily from this Rambam that when it says Darche Shalom here, it doesn't just mean so the non-Jews, the Gentiles won't be mad at us. It actually means this is part of promulgating peace in the world and a peaceful existence and emulating Hashem that we treat non-Jews respectfully because this is how Hashem wants them to be treated because Hashem is Rachamav, I'll call Masav. He's Taiva Hashem Lakol. Hashem is good to everybody. Another common derivative of this idea that there are fundamental differences between humans and humans are better or worse at certain things is an arrogance that comes with that. Right? There's a supremacy. The Jewish idea of Jewish supremacy is in a specific area. According to the sources we saw last episode, the Jewish supremacy is in the ability to be spiritual. We have a spiritual advantage over the rest of the world. Now, we didn't do anything to create this distinction. It's not because we're better. It's because we were picked for that role by Hashem. Hashem made us that way. So there's no cause for arrogance because it's not because of anything we did. And just like we understand that Hashem made us a certain way to fulfill a certain purpose, we have to understand that Hashem made non-Jews, and for that matter, all of creation, in a certain way, fitting to their purpose so that they can do what Hashem wants them to do in the world. The fact that Jews have an advantage in terms of spirituality does not mean that non-Jews are excluded from spirituality. All it means is that we have a different way of attaining that spirituality than the non-Jews have. 
as we're going to see from the Rambam, there are different approaches that a non-Jew and a Jew takes to perfecting themselves. And if a non-Jew does achieve that perfection, we're going to see sources that suggest he can be the holy of holies. So again, to treat non-Jews with disrespect just because they're made differently for a different purpose is ludicrous. Because the same Hashem who made us, same Hashem who made them. That all being said, the reason why we decided to put out these episodes is because we have to understand as Jewish people that there's only one source to tell us what is good in our world and how we should run our world and how we should think about our world. And that is the Torah. The Torah was meant to provide good for all of humanity, not just the Jewish people. Olam Haba is for Jews and non-Jews alike. And the ultimate vision of the world is one of harmony and combined service and recognition of the truth of Hashem and the truth of Torah. Therefore, we at Jewish Thought Flow are focusing our intent on trying to interpret what Torah actually says is the proper way to view the world. And that's what I want to emphasize. We aren't coming here to try to tell everybody how good the Jews are. We are coming here to try to spread the truth of Tyra because that is what's best for the whole world. When somebody does not listen to Torah and ignores Torah sources and decides on his own how to interpret what the world should be like, he's actually hurting all of humanity, the very people he is claiming to try to protect. We brought down a bunch of sources and gave our approach on this topic. Now, it's fine if you disagree with our outcome, but the disagreement should come from the sources and from what the Torah says, not based on some external system of morality. The approach that we do not want you to take is an approach found in an article entitled The Soul of a Jew and the Soul of a Non-Jew, which is found in Chakira. The quote goes like this, We can only look on with awe at the breast of inclusivity that he displayed, referring to the Rambam, in an era, as we know from his own writings, in which medieval religious fanaticism Fanaticism? Fanaticism. Fanaticism was often rampant. This is reason enough to continue to seek both refuge and inspiration on the outstretched and soaring wings of the great eagle. (laughs) The reason we love the Rambam is because of his amazing ability at interpreting Torah, not because it happens to this time match a 21st century view of inclusivity. Right. And the title of this piece was The Soul of a Jew and the Soul of an Anju. But the line under that which was part of the title, read, an inconvenient truth, yes, maybe a subtitle, you might say, an inconvenient truth and the search for an alternative. And I just want you to hear that one more time. An inconvenient truth referencing the mainstream view or the main purview of sources regarding the difference between a Jew and an Anju, he referenced that as an inconvenient truth and the search for the alternative. If it's true, it's not inconvenient. It's how the Torah wants us to see the world, and it's how the Torah is telling us this is the best way for humanity to live. It's not inconvenient. You don't need a search for an alternative. That means you're coming at Torah with an agenda. Rather, it should be, what is the truth? Does the Rambam say the truth is different? You shouldn't be searching for something. You should be trying. The only thing you should be searching for is what Torah is telling me. And furthermore, in the quote that we brought you, he insinuated that the whole difference, the whole machlaikas, the whole argument between the Rambam and everybody else was the Rambam was an inclusive figure and everybody else were medieval religious fanatics. Do we really believe that that's the way they're shown in the Torah? That they try to shove their personal views and their personal religious fanaticism into the text? Or do we, as from Jews, hold that our sages tried interpreting Torah with a bias-free mind because they understood that Torah is here to help us, and the only way to let it help us is if we actually try to learn it without trying to tell it and teach it what morality is. We want it to teach us 
what morality is. And ascribing people to views that fit with modernity never works out in the long run. I'll just give you one example. The Rambam is of the unique opinion that women cannot be appointed to any position of leadership within Judaism. This does not have a source in the Gemara, or at least a clear source in the Gemara, and many Rishonim disagree with this. Yet the Rambam has no problem saying, because he learned Tyra that way, that Tyra does not want us to anoint or appoint women to leadership positions. Now, what happened? He was inclusive with the non-Jew, but then he forgot to be inclusive by the woman? Or maybe this is the way he learned Tyra and interpreted it. Interpreting Tyra based on preconceived notions defeats the purpose of Tyra and is ultimately the greatest cruelty towards all of humanity because you're denying them the Tyra's guidance as to who they are and what roles they have to reach their perfect happiness. As an illustration, one of the big issues in education in, in previous years was an inability to understand certain uh, mental deficiencies of students. Uh, people with mental conditions, they just understood to be lazy or not working hard enough, and they'd stick them into the same institutions as others, and then they'd be punished based on their inability to act. By understanding that they are intrinsically different allows us to treat them properly and allows them to create their own perfection. Now, we are in no way suggesting that the difference between non-Jews and Jews is one of mental deficiency. The whole point of our example was to explain that understanding differences between people allows us to properly relate to them and help them. So the difference between the Jew and the non-Jew is one of where our focus is and what our role is in this world. Understanding that difference and being able to react to that difference will ultimately help all those involved. It'll help the Jew, and it'll also, and just as importantly, help the non-Jew. So that being said, let's head to the Tyra, the sources. All the sources we brought are either the Rambam himself or something relating to what the Rambam said that will help us understand the Rambam. We are going to bring sources that, that carry the implication of either the Jew and the non-Jew being identical inherently or the Jew and the non-Jew being different inherently. We will try to represent what we believe to be a fair representation of the Rambam. We actually brought a lot more sources about the Rambam against our position than even the one in the article from the difference between the soul, the soul of the Jew and the soul of the non-Jew, which we had brought to rebut. A good place to start would be the Rambam in describing what a soul is. The Rambam can be found in Yesaida Etara, Perak Dalit Halachaches. He explains the makeup of a soul and explains a commonality between a human soul and an animal soul, and then explains that the, the human has an additional intellectual soul which allows it to think, speak, and so on. He does not make a distinction between Jews and non-Jews in his description of the soul. He just makes a distinction between humans and animals. Therefore, this source seems to contend or seems to imply that there is no difference in the soul between the Jew and the non-Jew. I think to counter that, one could suggest that here he's talking about the difference between the animal soul and the human soul. So when it comes to the difference between an animal soul and a human soul, the human soul is all identical, meaning every human shares this characteristic of having an intellect and having free choice and having the ability to speak, which separates him from the animal. This does not mean, I don't think necessarily, that the Rambam is saying there categorically there is no other distinction between human souls. I would think that in Mishnah though, the distinction between a Jewish soul and a non-Jewish soul is as important, if not more important, than the difference between a human soul and an animal soul. That is fair. However, just to counter that idea, I would say that the Jewish soul, the idea of the Jewish soul, what the Jewish soul adds, which we saw from the other sources, which is this spiritual component, is part of what's known as the Sodei HaTara, the secrets of Tara. Not the Yisodeater, the Sodeater. 
Um, and this part of Tyra, the Rambam does not speak about. He only speaks about the Rashi Prakam, the, ch- the chapter headings, in accordance with the known prohibition against spreading or uh, revealing the secrets of Torah. The next source is the Rambam and Hilchas Tshuva, Perak Hey Halacha Beis. There he's describing free will and the ability for any person, again, not just a Jew, but he says, Kol Adam, that he is fit to become a Tzaddik like Meishu Rabbeinu or a Rasha like Yeravam. Now, Adam doesn't necessarily mean Jew and non-Jew. However, in this context, when he's talking about free will, which is a fundamental of our faith that all of humanity has free will because all of humanity is subject to reward and punishment, it would seem to be he's talking about all of humanity. And he says, anybody could be like Moshe, a tzaddik like Moshe, or a Russia like Yeravim ben So if he's saying that, then any non-Jew, it would seem like he's saying that any non-Jew could reach the level of Moshe Rabbeinu. I would say another indication from this source is also the Kabbalists seem to take free will, at least at a certain level, as only in applying to a Jew because of his special neshama. That is true. There is a dimension of free will that that in certain Kabbalistic works, it, it ascribes only to the Jew, not to the non-Jew. So the fact that Ram just says everybody has free will implies that he holds there is not that internal or inherent difference. However, we do see that all the Rishayim, even the ones who explicitly hold there is a difference in Jews and non-Jews, hold that free will is universal uh, from both Jews and non-Jews. And it's possible that this is a Kabbalistic uh, level which is not being discussed by the Rishayim. Right. I mean, the, the, so the, I think you see clearly that the fact that the Rambam holds that free will is by everybody does not lend us an opinion as to what he holds about the difference between the soul of Jew and the soul of an Andrew. But free will will be another podcast which will go more in depth into this issue. Okay. Now, the other point he mentioned, which is that anybody could be a tzaddik like Maisha or anybody could be a Russia like Yeravim. Again, he's talking about free will and he's talking about actions because that's where free will takes place in actions. I don't think he's suggesting that everybody could be on the level of Maisha Benu. I think, or on the level of Yeravim. I think he's suggesting that anybody can act like Maishu Benu, act like Yeravim Benavad, because not everybody has the same level of intelligence. We know that. Not everybody is the same spiritually attuned. We know that. We see that all day. So not everybody will reach the same level. We know in our lives people who try the same hard and end up in different places. So I don't think you have to read into the source that he's saying everybody can be on the level of Moshe. I think he's just saying everybody can be as righteous of Moshe, meaning can do the right thing as often as Maishu Benu did. Okay, now we're going to go to the prophecy differences between Jews and non-Jews. The Rambam in many places, in Yesodia Torah, Perak Zion, Halacha Aleph, also in Yesodia Torah, Perak Tes, Halacha Aleph, and also in Igeris Timan, says explicitly that a non-Jew could be a Navi. Now, a Navi is no simple human. In fact, as the Ram describes him, the Navi is somebody who has abandoned his desires, has kept his mind empty from everything but trying to serve Hashem and trying to understand Hashem. And he also says that when the Ruach Kodesh is Shora on the Navi, on the prophet, he becomes like a different person. He becomes on a different level than the average human. Now, if the Rambam holds that a Nanju can achieve prophecy, it would seem to be he holds that a Nanju can also hit this next dimension of connection to Hashem. Use this Rambam as an indication of a similarity in souls would be to assume that the faculty of prophecy would be stemming from some sort of superior uh, soul. This is hard to say for a couple of reasons. First, the Gemara describes that there were non-Jewish prophets. But the Gemara in Bab Basra Tesvavam Beis says that there were seven non-Jewish prophets. And all the Rishonim agree with this. There is a Machlokas Rishonim whether non-Jews can have prophecy, but that's based on the Gemara in Brachas and Zion and Aleph which says that Maishu Rabbeinu made a special request from HaKadosh Baruch Hu that non-Jews cannot have prophecy anymore. So even according to the Rishonim who hold that non-Jews can't have prophecy, 
it doesn't seem to be because they have different souls. It would be because of this special request for Maishu Rabbeinu. Now, these same Rishayim are the ones who explicitly said there's a difference between a Jewish soul and a non-Jewish soul. This means, if you're following, that the cor- there's no correlation between holding that a non-Jew could be a Navi and holding that there's no difference between a non-Jewish soul and a Jewish soul. Non-Jews and Jews could be identical in the faculty of Nebua, yet not be identical in their soul. So this is not a proof from the Rambam as to which way. I might say it's an indication, but it's for sure not a proof. In the Rambam's Igeris Teman, he describes the reason why the Jews got the Torah. Now, in contrast with the Sefer Chinuch, which said it was because we were special, the Rambam seems to take the exact opposite approach. He says, It's not because we were fit for this. Rather, it's because of the chesed of Hashem. And why, why did he do this chesed for us? Because he appreciated the service that the Avis did for him, and he loved the Avis. He loved our forefathers. And therefore, he gave us the Torah. Now, you might be thinking, oh, here's another source. The Ram seems to say, it's not because we're special that we got the Torah. It's because Hashem loves us. Or Hashem was kind to us, and it was the Avos who did it. I just want to point out, this, is, this idea is an open Pasuk that everybody's going to have to deal with. One of many Pasukim that discuss this, the Pasuk in Dvarim, Parak Tes, Pasuk Vav, you should know, it's not because you're righteous that Hashem's given you this land of Israel, Rishta, to inherit it. You guys are a stiff-necked nation. You don't deserve this. And then the Pasuk continues to go on. It's because Hashem loved the others and Hashem chose you afterwards. But not because you're righteous. So I think this idea that on some level our actions don't deserve the Torah is not a contradiction to the fact that maybe because of the Torah or maybe even prior to the Torah, we're built with a special capacity to keep the Torah. It just could be that because of our actions, we don't actually deserve to, to actualize that special capacity. The Sefer Chinuch, who says that we got the Torah because we have a special capacity, would have to deal with this Pasuk, which Hashem saying, it's not because you guys did anything, it's because of the others. Because again, at that time, it's universally understood that B'nai Yisrael was not holding on a high level. This is not a contradiction that they might have had that capacity, they just didn't deserve it because of their actions. Okay, fine. So you can answer up all these sources and explain how maybe the Rambam holds his difference and maybe doesn't really hold that they're the same. But these sources seem to be suggesting that there is a similarity between the Jews and the non-Jewish soul. Are you getting fresh with me? <laughs> yeah, you no, know, you're right. If these were the only sources in the Rambam, I would probably say, you're right. It seems like the Rambam does hold that there's a difference between the Jewish soul and the non-Jewish no, soul. No difference between the Jewish soul and the non-Jewish soul. No difference? No difference. I'm just so stuck in there's a difference. <laughs> that there's no difference between the Jewish soul and the non-Jewish soul. But that's not all the sources we have. Here's another one. The Rambam in Shemitah V'yayvel, Perak Yud Gimel, Lach Yud Gimel, says that's not just Shevet Levi that's able to kind of dedicate his life to serving Hashem. He says it's everybody, not just all Jews, Mikol Baya Oilam, which everybody understands to mean not just Jews, but even non-Jews, is able to completely dedicate them, themselves to Hashem and reach a level of Kaidash Kadashim, Eskadash Kaidash Kadashim. And Hashem will be his Chelek and his Nachla forever, and he'll be Zeich and Elam and Elam So you see, a source of the Ram saying that a non-Jew could become Kodesh Kadashim, Holy of Holies. Does it get any higher than that? And if the non-Jew could achieve that, then doesn't that mean that the non-Jewish soul and the Jewish soul are identical? The non-Jew can get to the Kodesh HaKadoshim. But, alas, this is actually a Gemara. So, again, it's not the Ram's Chiddush. It's a Gemara. So all those other Shonim who hold that the Jew and the non-Jew are not identical also have to deal with this Gemara. What does the Gemara say? The Gemara says, how do we know, Ramir says, how do we know that a non-Jew who sits and learns Torah is like the Kayin Gadol? And then it gives a Pasuk. Which tells us that the non-Jew who's learning Torah 
is like a Kohen Gadol. And I just want to point out, an Andrew is not allowed to learn Torah. So here it's actually talking about learning the Shevmetz Menorah, which is something he's allowed to learn. So again, it's a Gemara that says a Nandru who learns Torah will be like a Kohen Gadol. Sorry, not just not allowed to learn Torah, but is Chayv Misa for That's learning Torah not related to uh, Shevmetz Menorah. That's, That's broken down explicitly in the Rambam. So now, the, it, all the other Shainim also have access to this Gemara, and they saw that it said that a guy who learns Torah is like Kohen Gadol. Now, some of them explain this as it's an exaggeration. It doesn't really mean he's like a Kohen Gadol, which I'm not sure is unique to the other Rishonim. Like, nobody holds he's actually a Kohen Gadol, right? He can't go into the Kaddish Kedashim. He doesn't wear the funny hat. So he's not like he's not really like Kohen Gadol. So it's obviously an exaggeration or a metaphor for something. The question is what it is. The Ram says he can become like Kaddish Kedashim. But is this a strictly rational source, or could we find this source in Kabbalah? So this can actually be found in the Zohar. The Zohar Chadash Rus Ayin Ches Dalid says that Kol Gai Shiasa Tshuva, any guy that does Tshuva and separates himself from Avayda Zara, he brings upon himself a special Kedusha, and he gets a Chela Kedalim Haba. And he gets a holy soul, it says, V'nafsha Kedusha, he gets a holy soul. But it concludes not with Bnei Yisrael, rather he gets his own chalak, a separate chalak that's separate from Bnei Yisrael. Now the Rambam didn't say he gets it with Bnei Yisrael, but he also didn't say that he gets it separate from Bnei Yisrael. But we do see the Zohar holding that, a Ra- that the Nanju who does tshuva can become Kaddish, Nefesh Kaddisha, however, he will not get equal the same as the Jew. Now when I first learned this Rambam, and I saw that it's like a Kain Gadol in the Kaddish Kedashim, I actually thought to myself, well, what does it mean Kain Gadol in the Kaddish Kedashim? We know that not everybody is able to become a kind girl. You have to be born into that family. But if you understand the Gemara and the Rambam to be referring to fulfilling your potential as opposed to actually reaching a certain level, then it makes perfect sense. Why? Because just like the perfection of a kind is kind girl, and the perfection of the kind girl is in the Kaddish Gadashim, that one time a year that he's able to get there, that's the perfection of the kind girl. So everybody's able to reach that perfection, the perfection of themselves, not the perfection of getting into the Kaddish Gadashim. We know that that's for a special family, and that's for a special person. But he is able to complete himself. And that, a Jew and a non-Jew, is exactly the same. Maybe a Jew can't reach the level of a non-Jew, but a Jew is a non-Jew is able to perfect himself to the same level that a Jew is able to perfect himself. And that's his Kodesh Kedoshim. That's when he connects to Hashem. Perhaps this is all the Rambam was saying. Uh, this Peshat is actually found in Tzapuchi Zub. We found it after Mati came up with it. We found it. promise you. <laughs> now, I just want to let you know. Lubavitcher Rebbe, just a, there's a, uh, we have the disclaimer, we are Lubavitch, so... We are bringing this, but it doesn't mean we hold this more than any other source. We are just bringing it. Disclaimer. Kutisichas. Chelek Chas. This is one of the, the one of the Sfarim that the Rebbe edited. It's one of the, it's Tyrus of the Rebbe. He actually quotes his Ramam and stresses that when the Ramam says anybody in the world can reach Kodesh Kedoshim, he stresses that this includes the Nanju. However, the Rebbe says, this doesn't mean that everybody's identical. He says, even within Levium themselves, who the Ram's talking about, there are different levels, right? There's Gershon, Kahas, Merari, Kayan, Levi, Kayan Gadol. So it doesn't mean, just because everybody can reach Kayish Kedashim, that doesn't mean everybody's going to be identical on the same level. So the same way there's difference between Levium, there could also be difference between how the Jew and the non-Jew reaches that level. So again, this Rambam, I don't think, isn't Raya, is a proof to anything. I think he's just expressing a Gemara. He's expressing something that's also found in the Tsar, And he's expressing something that even the Lubavitch who's clearly on the line of Kabbalah and clearly holds his difference between a Jew and an Andrew soul, would also hold of. The next source is the Rambam in Hilchas Malachim and Muhammad's Parachas Halachi Yalalef. 
There explains that a non-Jew is considered from the Chassidei Umas Ha'elam if he is careful to keep the Sheva Mitzvah and he gets a Chelek and Alam Haba. But he, he gives a modifier that's only if you do it because Hashem commanded in the Torah and let it be known through Maishar Benu as Navi and the Bnei Nayach are also, were commanded this before our Sinai. But if he does it because of a Hechre Adas, because he, you know, he's a philosopher and he figured out that the best way to live the world would be to not steal and to not murder and to not do adultery, that's not a Ger Taishav and a not from the Chassidim Masailam. And it's a question whether the Ramam says, that he's not from the wise men, or he is, or rather he's from just their wise men. But the point is, he's not from the Chassidim Asylum if he doesn't do this. And he has no chilek no haba, the implication is. But we do see that it seems that a non-Jew has a concept of Lashma, possibly. Because he's able to do it because Hashem commanded. Now, it also says that the, Ram, the non-Jew has an ability to get into Olam haba, which I think was also represented as sort of support. If the non-Jew can get to Olam haba, he must have the same Neshama. But again, we already saw from the Zayar that a Naju can get to Elam Haba. It's a Gemara that a Naju can get to Elam Haba. A lot of Rishayim, I think all Rishayim hold that a Naju can get to Elam Haba. So that itself is not a source of the Ram holds. There's no difference between a Jew and a Naju. Now, as to what you suggested, which is that it seems to be a Naju can do a Lishma. Lishma means for the sake of the mitzvah. Lishma is an altruistic serving of Hashem, not for your own means. Now, in Hasidic thought and Kabbalah thought, it's generally understood that only a Jew can reach a complete level of Lashma, because that's in the spiritual domain, and that extra level of an Ashama allows him to reach that next level of Lashma. And we'll talk about it at a different time, what's the difference, why can't a non-Jew, why is it good for the world that a non-Jew can't. However, that's a difference that is stressed in Hasidic Kabbalah. So the fact that the Rambam says that a non-Jew can do it for the reason that Maisha commanded us, not because he thought it's a good idea, seems to imply he can reach this level of Shema. But the the implication of the Rambam is not that it's this high level of pure altruism, just that he's doing it because Maisha commanded and not because he was commanded. Um, and, and sorry, not because he figured it out on his own. That's not such a high level, and I think everybody would agree that Nanju has that capability of understanding that I'm doing something because Maisha commanded it and not because I figured it out on my own, while still having some form of... Uh, selfish goal in mind while doing the command. Right. I think most of us do not serve Hashem Lishma completely altruistically. I mean, we do it because it's you know, for social reasons or we do it because we think we're getting Olam Haba or whatever the reasons why we serve Hashem. None of us, most of us are not on the level of serving Hashem for, you know, the ultimately good reason. Many, Yet many, we are doing it because Hashem commanded us, not because we think it's a smart idea. Many psychologists would suggest that it's impossible to do anything for purely altruistic reasons. And I know that many people would agree with that. Right, so so the, doing something as Hashem said to do, it does not mean you have reached this perfect ultimate level of Lishma. So that's also, I don't think, a great source. But now, now, now's my turn. I think we have our first source, which actually suggests the opposite, that there is a difference between a Jew and a non-Jew, and particularly in regards to Elam Haba. So this Rambam is from Hilchos Yisurubiyah, which means the Halachis of Forbidden Relationships, Parakid Dalid and Halacha Dalid. The Ram says as follows, when a non-Jew comes to convert, we tell him, you should know, Olam Haba is only tzafun. It's only um, in the in the future. It's only waiting for tzadikim. And who's tzadikim? The Haim Yisrael. That's the Jewish people. Now, wait a minute. Didn't the Ram just say a non-Jew also get Olam Haba? So what does he mean when he says that Olam Haba is only waiting for tzadikim and tzadikim is Yisrael? Now, it's very interesting that he calls Yisrael by the name Tzadikim, which he doesn't call the Nanju. It seems to be Tzadikim, the term a Tzadik, can only be referenced to a Nanju. I think that itself a is a 
sorry, is it to a Jew? I think that itself connotes that there might be a difference between the Jew and the non-Jew that only the Jew can reach this level called a tzaddik. Well, okay, so now we have a contradiction. The Rambam at one place seems to say that non-Jews do get a chilek alam haba, and over here in Isirabiyah, he's saying that alam haba is tzachon is waiting just for the tzaddikim, which are the Jews. So the Chuvah Me'ava answers this contradiction and explains that there's actually two different, like the Zohar, there's two different Olam Habas, one for the non-Jews and one for the Jews. And in Hilchas Asirabiya, he's referring to this special Olam Haba, which is just for the Jews. So this would seem to suggest that there is a difference between the Jews and non-Jews, being as that there's a different reward waiting for them in Olam Haba. And the Olam Haba is only enjoyed by the soul, so it seems to be a different reward would imply a difference in soul. Now, if this is true, that would be another source. However... In all fairness, I think a simpler way of reading the Rambam would be that by a Jew, it's tzafun, because kol Yisrael yishem chelik olam haba. By a Jew, it's waiting for him, because every Jew is a chelik in olam haba. However, a non-Jew has to earn it, which we'll see in a second. There's a difference between the way the Jew and the non-Jew get into olam haba. By the Jew, it's an earned right, and maybe that's what the Rambam meant when he said tzafun, and therefore it would not signify a difference between the Jew and the non-Jew in terms of olam haba. Now, talking about Olam Haba, I think this is a phenomenal point, right? The Rambam holds that the Neshama, when it reaches a certain level of perfection, he speaks about this in Parish Mishnayis, in the Aktam al when he talks about reward and punishment of man. He says, when the Neshama reaches a certain perfection, it then naturally heads into Olam Haba, because it reaches a state of eternality, and it continues on after the death of the body, and it enters into Olam Haba. Now, I want to tell you something else. There's a difference between a Jew and a non-Jew. A Jew, we have the rule, which means every Jew gets into Elam Haba. How does a Jew not get into Elam Haba? If he ruins it by doing one of a couple very severe averas. But if he doesn't do one of those very severe sins, such as denying Hashem's existence, denying the revival of the dead, or denying Torah's, Torah comes from Hashem, or there's a couple other ones over there, he goes into Elam Haba. A non-Jew is not like that. A non-Jew has to keep the Shev Mitzvah like we saw, because Hashem commanded him, and if he does that, then he gets into Olam Haba. Now, if Olam Haba is the natural progression of the soul, when it reaches a certain level of completion, it goes to Olam Haba, and the Jew and the non-Jew have different ways of getting there, where the Jew it goes there automatically unless he ruins it, but the non-Jew does not go there automatically, but has to earn it, and earn it in a different way, that would heavily suggest that there's an inborn perfection in regards to the spirituality of the world to come that the Jew possesses that the non-Jew does not possess. To continue on this theme, the Rambam in Pirkei Atzlacha, in Perak Beis, quotes a Pasuk in Tehillim, and he explains that all flesh, or all people, when they die, they go down in, in silence. But B'nai Yisrael is not like that. Rather, that we can continue blessing Hashem from now and eternally, even after our death. Now, there's many ways to deal with this source, because again, he said Chassidim also goes to Olam Abba. So perhaps we could suggest there's a different type of life for the Jew in Olam Abba than the non-Jew, or we could suggest that this is talking about the Stam, the regular Jew, versus the regular non-Jew, where the regular Jew is going to live forever and end up in, in Olam Abba, and the regular non-Jew is not going to be there. Either way, he's certainly connoting a difference between the end result of the Jew and the non-Jew at the end of their life. The Rambam even brings down the halacha that you make a separate bracha on the graves of a non-Jew versus a Jew. By the non-Jew, you make the bracha of b'ayshayim chameoid, while by a Jew, we make the bracha expressing our desire to see him again in the future, uh, and we make the bracha mechayim mesim. This Rambam can be found in brachas and parak yod. Now, 
there's also a difference in the way that Hashem relates to the Jewish people versus the non-Jewish people. There's a special hashkacha pratis, a special divine providence over the Jew versus the non-Jew. In Egeris Teman, the Rambam says that there's a promise that the Jewish people hold that we will never be destroyed and will never, will never stop being the chosen nation. Now, just like Hashem can't be destroyed, so too the Jewish people cannot be destroyed. Now, again, does this say there's a different soul of the Jew and the non-Jew? No. But does it say that divine providence is different? Yes. And we know the Ramba's opinion of divine providence directly correlates to one's capacity of intellectualizing Hashem and one's ability to connect to Hashem. So it seemed like a difference in Hashkar Pratis might imply a difference in soul. The Rambam also brings down the halacha that the Jews are promised that in the end we are going to do tshuva from all our averis, and that's when we're going to get the gula. Now it's hard to say, how can you guarantee that we're all going to do tshuva unless there's something built into the soul that will come out eventually that will force the Jewish people to do tshuva. Although here, you could just say that it's the Nevi'im and they're making a prophecy and they know that we're going to. Hashem obviously knows the future and Hashem's predicting we are going to do tshuva in the end. That's fair enough, Mati. Can't argue with that one. Thank also, you. the Iger Shchis Mesem. The Rambam says that there's ein mazel Yisrael. There's an idea of mazel in Jewish thought. Bet you didn't think the Rambam held it, but there is an idea of, ra- of mazel in Jewish thought. Mazel means astrology. It's the astrological forces that impact man. Now, the whole world, according to Jewish thought, runs through these astrological forces. However, the Jewish people do not. The Jewish people run through their own decisions. When a Jew does something correct, he gets rewarded. When he does something incorrect, he gets punished. And all the actions are consequences and reactions to the action of the Jew and not and not dependent on the astrological forces. This is not the same by the non-Jew. So we see certainly a very big difference between the Ashkacha of the Jew and the Ashkacha of the non-Jew, the providence over the Jew and the providence over the non-Jew. But now we're going to get into sources which suggest that there's actually a special quality to the Jewish soul which allows it to do things or ensures it will do things that the non-Jew soul does not have. You want to hit the first one, Mati? Yeah, so the first one is in Igeris Teman. And there, the Rambam says that the Torah has let us know, or the Nevi'im have let us know, that anybody who stood at Har Sinai will believe in the Nebuos Meishar Benu. And therefore, we, we can see that if somebody does not believe in the Nebuos Meishar Benu, we know that he was not at Har Sinai. So the Rambam is saying that a person's belief nowadays, in the year 2020, can let us know if he was on Har Sinai. Which implies, he holds, that anybody who's on Har Sinai has a certain predilition. That's word. <laughs> certain predilition to being a religious Jew. And he holds anybody who denies the Harsinai must not have been there. Now, how would that be unless there's an inborn trait? This trait doesn't exist by a non-Jew. It only exists by a Jew. Now, this really reminds me of that Gemara, which says that anybody who was on Harsinai, it was a Gemara in Shabbos Kuf Mavav, we mentioned in the last episode, that anybody who was on Harsinai lost their impurity. But the and Ramban, they changed. The Ramban doesn't bring down that Gemara, does he? Well, he does, actually. In Maranavucham, of all places, the guide to the perplexed. Judging by your face, that's you. He says that one of the greatest, or wondrous, most wondrous uh, statements in Chazal, which you can't really take simply, is the statement of Chazal that when the Jews were on our Sinai, they lost their Zuhuma, they lost impurity, while the non-Jews never did. Now, we don't know how the Ram interprets that Gemara, but in light of what he said in Igeris Teman, that any Jew is on our Sinai would never lose faith, it would seem to be he's learning that the Zuhuma represents the Yitzhara, and the not, the Jew who was, who was by Arsini lost it at its full strength, ensuring that he will always keep 
this belief. Now, a possible understanding of what the Rambam might mean is the Rambam in Hilchas Gerishin in Parak Bays. he explains that the reason you're allowed to force a Jew to give a get to his wife, even if he says he doesn't want to and it's not considered against his will, is because he says that the only reason that he doesn't want to do it now is because Shetakfa Yetzirah. His Yetzirah kind of overpowered him, but naturally, really, he does want to do the mitzvah. He wants to do the right thing. He wants to serve Hashem. Now, he's saying that the Jew built into the Jew is this inner want to serve Hashem, and you could beat it out of him, so to speak. You can get that to come to fruition by beating him. Now, there are those who suggest that that's only talking about a from Jew who happened to slip up in this divorce area. So then you can beat it out of him because you know he generally wants to be Jewish. But the simple reading of the Rambam is every Jew, whoever it is, can be beat up till he says, I want to give a get, a divorce document, because built into the Jew is this inner want to serve Hashem. This correlates nicely with the Ramam and Negeris Taman, which suggests that if you are an Arsenai, you contain a certain amount of Jewish will, a Jewish identity, and a Jewish want to serve Hashem. Now, this idea is taken even further. The Gemara Nida has a question. Now, we all know that Sheikh Vazara, male seed, impure, if, if you touch it, it makes you impure. Now, the Gemara wants to know, what about male seed within a woman that seeps out, is that also make you impure? Or is it, so to speak, it becomes purified? Once it's there, it's done. So Gemara says, obviously within the first three days, it'll still make you impure. It's still potent. You touch that, you're going to be impure. However, after three days, anything that seeps out after three days, it wants to know if it will make you impure. It says by a Jew, that sperm is for sure not going to make you impure. Why? Because it's masriach. It's already become foul. It's already spoiled. Gamar wants to know, what about a non-Jew? What about seed in a non-Jewish woman? If it spills out after three days, what is the halacha about that seed? And the Gemara says, why not compare it to a Jew? He says, no, no, no. A Jew is very concerned about mitzvahs. So his body becomes hot. The body of a Jew is warmer because he's concerned about mitzvahs. Now, this is not talking about a specifically from Jew. This is the halacha is by any Jew. Any Jew, his body's hotter because built into the Jew is this concern about mitzvahs. But the non-Jew, maybe not. And the Gemara says, or maybe, since the non-Jew eats impure animals, that also heats up their body, the woman's body, and therefore also it'll spoil after three days. The Gemara does not know and answer this question. It goes, teku. It says, we're not going to resolve this question. The Rambam brings this Gemara and says, he's unsure of the answer, which means he hears, he entertains both sides. Perhaps the Jew is concerned about mitzvahs, and therefore his body is especially hot. Or maybe the non-Jew, since it eats impure things, also his body gets hot. But the Rambam doesn't say this Gemara doesn't make any sense. The Rambam brings this Gemara, which implies the Rambam holds there's a difference in the body of the Jew and the non-Jew versus, because of the fact, I should say, that the Jew gets hot because he's worried about mitzvahs. The Rambam in Hilchot's Ritzeach, Perak Aleph Halachot says that anybody who kills a Jewish soul, it's as if he destroyed the entire world. And anybody who saves one Jewish soul, it's as if he saved the entire world. There he explicitly does say a Jew, and in contrast with a non-Jew. Now, if you'll, there's no difference between the Jewish soul and the non-Jewish soul, why would the Jewish soul's death represent the death of the whole world more than a non-Jewish soul? Something to think about. Now, there are two more Rambams we want to bring, and we're going to bring the last one last because it might be the most explicit that there's a difference. The Rambam's talking about natural traits in a human. Uh, Midos, natural uh, characteristics or politeness of a Jew versus a non-Jew. So the first Ram is in a Suribia, Parakiyates Halachiyadzain. He says anybody who's cruel or chutzpahdik or hates people and he's not and he's not kind to them, we have to be concerned that maybe he's not Jewish. 
Because one of the signs of a Jew, the holy nation, is that they're merciful and goyim lechasadim. Now, you could say, well, that's because we have the Torah. But he's saying any Jew, any Jew who contains these traits of cruelty, you have to be concerned he's not Jewish. Now, if he's just not religious, then you would say, well, why do I have to be concerned he's not Jewish? He's just not religious. And that's why he has those traits. So why can I marry somebody who's not religious? The fact is, you shouldn't marry them because you have to be concerned they're not Jewish shows you it seems to be a difference between the Jew and the non-Jew, not if they're religious or not. The last source is from the Rambam in Hilchus Tshuva, Perikid Beis, Halacha Yud. It says, you're not allowed to be cruel. It's forbidden for a man to be cruel. You should be easygoing. You shouldn't get angry. And if somebody asks you for forgiveness, you should give it to him. Why? This is the derech. This is the way of Zerah Yisrael, the seed of Israel. The libam hanachem and their proper heart. but the non-Jew who are uncircumcised of heart, It is not the same. They are more cruel naturally. So the Rambam seems to be saying that the libam hanachem, the natural proper heart of the Jew, is more attuned to kindness than the heart of the non-Jew. This would seem to be explicit about the difference between a Jew and a non-Jew. Here we've brought a bunch of sources from the Rambam, some suggesting one way, some suggesting the other way. It's hard to say exactly what the Rambam would hold. Uh, Avi and I lean one way. It's possible other people from reading the sources can lean the other way. It doesn't matter. It's not simple. That being said, if one honestly looks at all the sources, including the ones we brought in the last episode, it would be hard from a pure tar perspective to rely strictly on a Rambam, which is unclear what he holds, in contrast with all of the other sources that we had. If, however, one is concerned about trying to fit in with modern morality, then he might jump on the side of the Rambam, even though he's unclear, yet this is not the proper way to interpret Torah. In either case, if somebody is worried about modern values, and he wants to appease the modern idea of inclusivity, and the modern idea of kindness, and the modern idea of morality, we've already demonstrated that there's no way to do that with Torah. The Torah is chock full of laws that differentiate between men and women, between Jews and non-Jews, between different religions, different orientations, between different orientations. And therefore, if one holds fundamentally that all these different groups are identical and the Torah is just arbitrarily discriminating, then one is in fact, I think, being even more cruel because he's saying you guys are all equal. However, the Torah wants to treat you differently. I think it would be much better, it's much nicer, much kinder to the world to look at the world and then say, wait a minute, the Torah is treating them differently. Perhaps they are different. Perhaps the Torah is trying to help them. Perhaps I shouldn't stick my own morals onto the Torah and tell the Torah how to run the world. Hashem's the one who wrote the Torah. Chazal are the ones who are given the ability to interpret Torah. If we just follow in their path, we can provide happiness and perfection and completion to the whole world, which will leave no group out. Every group will be happy, every group will be kept, uh, will be taken care of, and every group will reach their full potential. All right, sorry this episode was a little longer than usual, but such, such an important topic. Guys, if you're liking this, please share. Don't be embarrassed to share. If somebody gives you hate for sharing it, just say, hey, talk to them. They'd be willing to have you on on the podcast. They'd be willing to have a phone conversation. They'll be willing to have an email conversation. Email us at jewishthoughtfellow at gmail.com. So as usual, like, share, and subscribe. Peace.